0: This episode is brought to you by 8sleep. My God, am I in love with 8sleep. Good sleep is the ultimate game changer. More than 30% of Americans struggle with sleep, and I'm a member of that sad group. Temperature is one of the main causes of poor sleep, and heat has always been my nemesis. I've suffered for decades tossing and turning, throwing blankets off, putting them back on, and repeating ad nauseum, but now I am falling asleep in record time, faster than ever. Why? Because I'm using a simple device called the Pod Pro Cover by 8Sleep. It's the easiest and fastest way to sleep at the perfect temperature. It pairs dynamic cooling and heating with biometric tracking to offer the most advanced but most user-friendly solution on the market. I polled all of you guys on social media about the best tools for sleep, enhancing sleep, and 8Sleep was by far and away the crowd favorite. I mean, people were just raving fans of this. So, I used it, and here we are. Add the Pod Pro cover to your current mattress and start sleeping as cool as 55 degrees Fahrenheit or as hot as 110 degrees Fahrenheit. It also splits your bed in half, so your partner can choose a totally different temperature. My girlfriend runs hot all the time. She doesn't need cooling. She loves the heat, and we can have our own bespoke temperatures on either side, which is exactly what we're doing. Now, for me, and for many people— the result, eight sleep users fall asleep up to 32% faster, reduce sleep interruptions by up to 40% and get more restful sleep overall. I can personally attest to this because I track it in all sorts of ways. It's the total solution for enhanced recovery. So you can take on the next day feeling refreshed. And now my dear listeners, that's you guys, you can get $250 off of the pod pro cover. That's a lot. Simply go to eight sleep.com slash Tim or use code Tim. That's Eight, all spelled out E I G H T, sleep.com slash Tim, or use coupon code TIM, T I M. EightSleep.com slash Tim for $250 off your Pod Pro cover. This episode is brought to you by Tonal. Imagine having an entire gym's worth of equipment in a device smaller than a flat screen TV, something that could fit potentially even in a closet fits in my closet. By eliminating traditional weights, Tonal can deliver 200 pounds of resistance with a sleek design that can fit nearly anywhere. It's like having an entire gym and personal trainer right in your home. Tonal's patented digital weight system senses your strength and adjusts the weight automatically in real time so you can get the most out of every workout. I have a number of friends, including competitive athletes, who have doubled their strength in short order in a lot of exercises. And Part of the reason that's possible is it uses a revolutionary system of dynamic resistance powered by electric motors for strength you can feel. You can also do things like eccentrics. Over time, Tonal learns from your body and automatically increases the weight exactly when you can handle it. Tonal also uses 17 sensors to provide real-time feedback on your form and technique, allowing you to get the most effective workout every time. It's a strength training machine with adjustable arms that provides more than 170 exercises for a full body workout. And that can include squats, deadlifts, bench presses, overhead pulls, bicep curls, and more. So check it out. Try Tonal, the smartest home gym for 30 days in your home. Tonal is so confident that you'll love it, they offer a full money back guarantee. You can now get Tonal from $63 per month at 0% interest over 48 months. Visit www.tonal, that's T-O-N-A-L.com, and for a limited time, get $100 off when you use promo code TIM100 at checkout. That's www.tonal.com, promo code TIM100, one zero zero. Tonal, be your strongest. Optimal, minimal. At this
1: altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Can I ask you a personal question? Now I seen it a time. What if I did the album? I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over metal
0: endoskeleton. Well, hello, boys and girls, lemurs and squirrels. This is Tim Ferriss. Welcome to another episode of The Tim Ferriss Show, where it is my job to deconstruct world-class performers from all different disciplines to tease out the lessons, habits, New tools, etc., that you can use. My guest today is one of my favorite guests and a good friend, Matt Mullenweg. Matt is a co-founder of the open source publishing platform WordPress, which now powers more than one-third of all sites on the web. He is the founder and CEO of Automatic, M-A-T-T. See what he did there? Automatic, the company behind WordPress.com, WooCommerce, Tumblr, WPVIP, Day One, and Pocket Casts. Additionally, Matt runs Audrey Capital. Can you guess who that's named after? I'll give you three guesses. An investment and research company. He has been recognized for his leadership by Forbes, Bloomberg Businessweek, Inc., TechCrunch, Fortune, Fast Company, Wired, it keeps going, Vanity Fair, and the University Philosophical Society. Matt is originally from Houston, Texas, where he attended the high school for the performing and visual arts and studied jazz saxophone. In his spare time, Matt is an avid photographer. I encourage you to check out ma.tt. He currently splits his time between Houston and Jackson Hole. For my first interview with Matt, way back in 2015, where he had very long hair, go to slash matt There was some tequila involved. As mentioned, you can find him online at ma.tt. You can find him on Twitter at @photomat that tells you just how many photos he's taken, and on Instagram at photo, Matt. Without further ado, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Matt Mullenweg. This is a new acoustic environment for me. So (laughs) Matt Mullenweg, we'll get to you in just a minute, but we're sitting here in a shell tent, which has surprisingly good acoustics, kind of like sitting inside a spherical curtain, I guess, right? (laughs) to deaden the noise or deaden the echoes and we are on top of ice. Miles of it. Miles of ice. We have two layers in this shell tent, and inside we have a little fold-out table on which we have Bluetooth speaker, we have some caffeine, you have some water, we have, how would you say this? Ah, uh, Meringue? <laughs> <laughs> Glenn, <meringue. laughs> Glenn Morangie. somebody's going to correct us here. Help <laughs> us a out. G-L-E-N-M-O-R-A-N-G-I-E, Highland Single Malt Scotch Whiskey, Legends, the Cad Bowl. will let somebody sort that out. And uh, then we have a Nalgene bottle full of water. And then we <laughs> have a Nalgene bottle that is colored. It is orange. And the reason that it is orange is it's currently full of 28 ounces of my (laughs) urine. Oh, wow. Strong (laughs) open, Tim. Yeah. And Does that need to be on the table? You know, this is a reminder that I need to dispose of it. So if Ah. you come to Antarctica, which is where we are right now, everything that is brought in needs to be carried out. And that includes all human waste. Because if you pee in the snow here, it'll be here for hundreds of years or thousands of years. (laughs) And uh, in such case... You need to, if you have to pee when you're outside or you're in your tent and you're freezing your ass off and don't want to walk to one of the bathrooms, you need to pee into a bottle. So that's why I have a differently colored bottle. So I don't mistakenly assume, as you might, because there are no bubbles here, that <laughs> this is my water, which I guess it is in some sense. <laughs> uh, slightly used. Slightly used. So last time we did a podcast, I guess we were doing some Back of the Napkin is what, five yeah, or so years ago? About five years ago. And a lot has happened in the last five years. But before we get to that, cheers, sir. Cheers. So fun to spend time with you, as always. And (laughs) And thanks for coming to Antarctica. Well, thank you for the invite. I'm so excited to finally come here for a million reasons. The principle of which is just getting to spend more time together, honestly. This is our fifth continent,
1: so we got two more. That's crazy. Africa and Australia, and then we'll, we'll have... The hat trick. We'll have we'll have the hat trick of all seven. And but yeah, we're, we're day nine now in Antarctica. Yeah. Day so nine. We've been off the internet for a while, which I'm a little shaky. Yes, yeah, it's like ninety eight percent of my brain. Some, so
0: some withdrawal <laughs> symptoms. Yeah. Wait, it's, you have to you have to now. We're going to get to the bio. Don't worry, folks. But <laughs> so one of your coping mechanisms, <laughs> like the methadone for the internet addict, was downloading what? What did you download? a lot of before you came here downloaded a good chunk
1: of the wikipedia <laughs> <laughs> the just, wikipedia like the facebook i love like wikipedia oh, yes I Like that flair. and uh well i remember last i downloaded scribble dictionary too i remember last time i was in Antarctica in 2014 it was really just looking stuff up that i missed the most and <laughs> um and i've used it a number of times here and also like I th- might have the fullest copy of the wikipedia <laughs> of our group so
0: that's like it came in handy yeah i wanted to look up a few factoids about suriname and boom there it was there it was <laughs> but then i found out that ernesto Hoost, who's one of my favorite kickboxers of all time was born in suriname hmm. uh later won k1 a million times people who know what that is will know and it's long story to explain but there were no f- accompanying photographs of course I should say, just given the bandwidth limitations. So here we are, day nine. You, I guess, were ruminating on what day it might be, and I had no idea because it is daylight all the time. 24 hours a day. And it is so bright. I had experienced 24-hour twilight once above the Arctic Circle in Alaska, but this is totally different. I mean, this is like laying on your back in Santa Barbara with the sun beating down on you at at 10 a.m. on a perfectly bluebird day. It's so bright all the time. So everything kind of blends together and you're not really sure when you should be tired or shouldn't be tired. You think it's 1 p.m. and we came (laughs) back from an excursion today and it was already 6.45, something like that. It's really strange. It's super strange to not have a circadian rhythm modulated by light change to synchronize to. Super weird.
1: It's been, yeah, it feels very timeless when we've been here. And day of the week, everything has been kind of lost. We also had a very special morning. We did. So before we get to the morning, Matt Mullenweg, for people who don't know, who are you? Ah, friend of Tim, (laughs) uh, but probably better known for co-founding open source software called WordPress, which is blogging, CMS, content management system. Has over 50,000 plugins and themes, and I'm um, the CEO of a company It's was a lot smaller last time we talked, called Automatic. There's a mat in there. That's kind of a little pun. <laughs> and we make WordPress.com, a place to get WordPress, WooCommerce, which is e-commerce built on top of WordPress, Tumblr, Jetpack, all sorts of, uh, Day One, awesome journaling app, Simple Notes, Pocket Cast for podcasting, so Pocket check cast. out PocketCast. Cast. Great app. So we uh, basically we try to make the open web, make the web more open. And what
0: percentage of the web uses one of those products or WordPress itself at this point?
1: On um, the W3 techs WordPress is now up to 42%. It's probably like 10 last time we talked. That's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's coming up. And what would you guess five years ago, roughly, size of the company then and now? Then we were a couple hundred and now we're a couple thousand. We're coming up on 2,000 people, which has been really amazing distributed before it was cool. Yeah. That's, that worth, th- that's worth noting. That was kind of a, a funny thing as well, as I, I even started a podcast called Distributed, and I was like, okay, my goal for the 2020s, basically the next 10 years, was to get more remote work happening.
0: <laughs> I was Boom. like, whoa,
1: it happened. <laughs> Sorry about the virus, guys. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so it just woke up one day, and you know, of people who could, the numbers were incredible, how many people switched to distributed work. Um, But yeah, we've been distributed since the beginning. We're about 2,000 people, 92 countries. Majority of the company's first language is not English. And we communicate primarily asynchronously through blogging. Now, when you say blogging, you're referring to internal tools that resemble blogging? Yeah, we have this tool called P2, the letter P as in penguin and the number two. And it's basically an internal blog. We have no email in the company. The only email I get is HR stuff. And uh, everything usually, I'm guessing, not a good day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I I work a lot with HR. So
1: so that'll happen privately. But everything else, instead of sending email, we'll just kind of blog to each other. And so everything has a permalink. Everything is archived. Everything is searchable. And you can have rich embeds like Figma embeds, YouTube embeds. What was that first embed? Figma? I don't know what that is. Uh, Figma is actually an awesome tool you should check out. Imagine a way to coordinate design online uh, and in real time. So mm-hmm. you and I could be working on the same wireframes or interaction design. And um, actually it's the latest episode of the distributed podcast. And I didn't actually interview the founder Dylan. Connie Yang did, mutual friend of oh, ours, nice. who's, who's a designer. We owe Connie credit for another prop
0: we have on the table we may or may not use, which are the Holste, H-O-L-S-T-E-E, reflection cards. And there are a lot of decks of questions that I've seen out and about, and I've tried quite a few. My girlfriend loves these various decks. And there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'd say mostly fairly mediocre. <laughs> and uh, this is a deck that is, is is quite good. So we might get to some questions here. So Connie, you were
1: saying, interviewed the founder of Figma mm-hmm. on the distributed. Yeah, latest episode. It's a cool tool. I think you, you might enjoy checking it out, actually. I will. Figma, I'm on it. And... Let's see, what else, this is such a lazy
0: question, but it kind of boggled my mind to think that it's been five years since we last did one of these. Yeah. Because you said, what, the first episode we did was number 60-something? 61. 61 in the Bay Area at my kitchen table or dining room table, all the same, in (laughs) Glen Park, (laughs) back when you had... You had your golden locks. I think that was when you still had your golden I had pretty locks. long
1: hair. Yeah, <laughs> I tried to change it up every yeah, every year or two,
0: every once in a while. And, and uh, at the time, the nectar of choice was
1: tequila, and so that that featured very uh, heavily in <laughs> more the, ways than one. The is Hoven. Yeah, that was um, yeah, that's, that yeah. was it's a, that, it's a go-to. That, that was good evening. That yeah. was a good evening. <laughs>
0: so this morning, if we switch from evening to morning, so we had a very interesting morning, and it started. Well, I didn't really ever end. I guess yeah. <laughs> I mean it was continuous. <laughs> Most people didn't sleep. But
1: what what happened this morning? So part of the reason we're in Antarctica, besides the penguins, which I know you talked a lot about with Sue, check out that episode with Sue Flood, is the total solar eclipse that uh, happened here in Antarctica, and it's the only one in the continent until twenty thirty nine. I think that's total solar eclipse. So you and I at the wee hours of the morning very wee um, very wee got to see what was my first visible total solar eclipse and Mine it was too. incredible the landscape in antarctica is so dramatic yeah it's a it's a place that really makes you feel it's a very patient landscape and it makes you feel like your size in the cosmos <laughs> Interesting that you'd use the word patient. Why do you use that adjective? I was anticipating you might say
0: vast or majestic. Vast even more so than majestic. But why, why
1: patient? There's something to me about Antarctica that feels really timeless. And also just unconcerned with... <laughs> human, human welfare. <laughs> 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 human welfare and timescales. Yeah. You know, things here happen over huge timescales. And it's so cool to see like mountains buried by glaciers, essentially. Like they, they look like they are like have a blanket over them. And that was over how many tens or hundreds of thousands of years, it's pretty incredible. It is, and we were, we were chatting with a, a gentleman yesterday,
0: I don't know if he would want to be named, so I, I won't name him, but he had mentioned how deep an impact, I guess his first full totality Mm. as it's known first total solar eclipse had affected him and how he had always on some intellectual level understood our relative insignificance from a cosmic perspective. But the first time that he viscerally felt that which actually was deeply therapeutic for him was seeing totality with his daughter in his arms, and somebody Mm. behind him caught this amazing photograph of his daughter, tiny little daughter, pointing up at the totality as it's happening. I mean, you couldn't have scripted (laughs) a better photograph. And then uh, this morning, it still feels like it was two days ago. I mean, everything (laughs) blurs and blends together, which is... We've lived lifetimes. We've lived lived (laughs) lifetimes. It was around, what, 444, I want to say? And leading up to it in the days leading up to it i was looking forward to it but i wasn't jumping up and down with excitement i just mm. assumed okay it gets progressively darker then it's dark and then it gets progressively lighter <laughs> like i'm not that blown away by cool story, this bro. phenomenon yeah yeah cool story bro <laughs> and uh, had to be there had to be there and it turns out you really do have to be there and when it actually started creeping up and you're watching this happen and you're observing the progression through these eclipse glasses, because otherwise you'll blow your eyes out, of course, especially if something's magnified through equipment. And when it actually fully overlapped and you're able to take off your glasses and look at it directly, it was stunning, stunning and the effects on the horizon and on the visibility of stars, the things happening around it, the shadow bands as people refer to them as, mm-hmm. right, traveling across the ground. Did you see the wavy ones? From I the did. That was did. so surreal. Yeah, and just everything about it almost harkened back for me to prehistoric humanoid times. Like it touched something very old. If that makes any sense, it mm. felt like it touched something in species or racial memory going back thousands of years where you can imagine the impact that this would have on any sentient being who's observing it and really paying attention and watching it. Difficult to put into words. That was the most common sentence probably, some variation of that that I heard afterwards. People were giddy. People were euphoric and the expression was, "You just can't put it into words, or "I
1: can't put it into words." And I encourage people to look up the history of eclipses. There's been some cool historical moments yeah. where predicting an eclipse or not predicting an eclipse, or I think two kings died after seeing them, and then that was part of the creation of Europe. Uh, yeah, King the Pious or something. John, King John the Pious, you yeah. were saying, and then Europe was split up into. What if what became France? What became Italy, and what became Germany? To his three sons. So, yeah, eclipses seem to figure pretty strongly into the shaping of history and the shaping of national borders. What's more reliable than the sun? Yeah, and for that to be blotted out for a moment is, uh, yeah, awe-inspiring. Let's do I, it again. Yeah, <laughs> I don't say this
0: lightly. I mean, once it once it happened, though, I immediately turned to a few friends that they were with, and I was, and I said. I get it. I see why people chase this. Because we have people here in this camp because you have these shell tents arranged in rows of sorts and then they have snow piled around them to brace against the wind. And it does get really really fucking cold here. (laughs) Surprise, surprise, it's Antarctica. It's also very, very dry and people get a lot of sun damage, even more so than... it's the, the driest damage. desert
1: in the world? It
0: is dry. It is dry. It's part of the reason you can dry the surface of, say, your steak by putting it in a freezer on an elevated rack for a short period of time. It's the driest place in your house is a good freezer. didn't know that. So, and you just
1: expand that a gazillion times. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're in a really good oh, freezer. Oh, over eons, and uh, here you are in Antarctica. It's also interesting that where we are on Union Glacier, there's no birds no animals, no insects, literally nothing living except us. Yeah, it's, I was gonna say disturbingly, but it's
0: not disturbingly, it is oddly quiet when you go to certain parts of the camp if you're not within sort of shouting distance or
1: within uh, hearing distance of the mess hall or something like that. And especially after we spent seven days with the penguins. Yeah. Which have kind of a constant din. Yeah, And it was really cute, they would walk into camp. And just walk <laughs> past your tent. The tents have no noise isolation. Or right up to the tent. Right up to the tent, and you're Mah. actually yeah. you're, you're better at the noises.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you, that's <what> he, <laughs> that
0: was that was pretty good. Thank you. You although that is actually the pairing call that you hear more at the colony. But they're just going. Rah, rah. <laughs> <laughs> Tim's been practicing. this I have been practicing. <laughs> Much to the chagrin of my travel traveling companions, I've been
1: doing that like a hundred times a day. If you can cut in some of that field audio, you took, it would be pretty cool. Oh, we will.
0: Oh, there will be magic in the editing room. I have no idea if you'll be able to hear me or not but those are the sounds of thousands of empire penguins. Adults in their business formal black and white attire. The largest of the penguin species. So I would guess, I'm no biologist, but probably let's just call it two and a half to maybe three and a half feet tall. Probably 25 to 45, maybe 25 to 50 pounds. And then their chicks, who have gray, downy feathers, or certainly appear to. The adults have, I think, roughly 15 feathers per square centimeter, and you're hearing many different calls, and I don't know the meaning, I assume there certainly are meanings, of the different calls, but there's the da-da-da-da-da, da which they make when they point their beaks basically straight down flat against their chests. So I imagine that's straightening their trachea somehow, but it's the opposite of what you would see with say a coyote or a wolf howling. And here I am, holy shit, Antarctica. So, Matt, where should, we, where should we go next? What do you think? You want to, you want, should we pull out the deck, see what happens? Should we go somewhere else? Are there other things in the last five years? Maybe we'll, we'll roll into that. I mean, five years, it seems like so recently that we recorded our other episodes and mm. it's not that recent. I mean, it's not. It's like
1: if you live 80, let's just say we live 80, 85 years, it's like five years is a meaningful percentage of that. It's true. Yeah. Makes me think of that essay. Um, a great one from Tim Urban, the
0: tail end, yeah, which you introduced me to, and I have shared with so many people. Put an edited, or I don't think it was highly edited, but like a slightly shortened version in. I think it was Tools of Titans because it had such an impact mm. on me, and
1: that's all thanks to Mr. Mullenweg. Yeah, that was one of the big things since our last episode was my father passing. Yeah, you were a great friend through all that, so thank you. But
0: I'm that sorry taught me a lot about us. Uh,
1: Grief and the ephemerality of life and everything. So that was a big one. Yeah, I, pretty much everything in my life has changed a lot in the past five years. We hadn't even acquired WooCommerce when we last spoke. And yeah. this year it's going to do, what's the number that we say? But I think 21 billion of transactions. You know, we're hoping to do for e-commerce what we did for websites. And I think there's a chance and the, the web wants an open source thing out there for commerce. So I think what's been exciting for me is everything is always changing. I'm not good at staying still. (laughs) Everything is always changing, not in a macro world sense, although I guess that's true you're saying, for you personally. Yeah. You asked me the other day, do I have like a weekly routine where like Mondays are staff meetings, Tuesdays are design. Yeah, if you have an infrastructure for your week because people
0: like Jack Dorsey have talked about this. I don't know if he he does it any longer. But I, I, I did ask you, and
1: your answer was? Every day is different. And that's part of what keeps it super exciting for me because I feel like I'm always learning. I know nothing about podcasting software or journaling software or e-commerce software or anything. But I love making tools that people use. It's very, very satisfying. If you don't mind, let's just come back for a second
0: to your dad's passing. And I know that was an understandably, extremely tough period and i don't even know if it's something you've ever fully metabolized if that's something you even view in the past tense it's like something you went through or if it's something that you continue to live with but my question is if there are any resources tools books or just simply advice that you would give to someone who is experiencing grief or has lost someone or maybe is on the cusp of losing someone
1: yeah The book that I found most helpful during that was co-authored by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who came up with the Kubler-Ross scale, I think. That's the five stages, denial, anger, acceptance of the five stages of grief. The book was called, I think, Grief and Grieving. Yeah, On Grief and Grieving. On Grief and Grieving. That one was really powerful.
0: Might be just Grief and Grieving. I shouldn't be so definitive, but yeah, one of the two.
1: Yeah, so that one was very, very helpful for me. But one of the things I learned was how personal the process is and how different it is like for example for me and my sister grieved completely differently and i've seen other friends go through this since then and so i would say one thing i really learned is just that everyone has their own way of processing and it'll happen at different times and it's very easy to get annoyed or mad or angry or disappointed at how someone else is grieving Hmm. if it's different from yours how did the book help you what did it explain or help you to accept or clarify or otherwise? I had heard of those five stages, but I thought they happened serially, like you went in order. Well, that's what I would assume. And it turns out you, you can have them out of order and multiple ones at the same time and in the same day, <laughs> in the same hour. And so that was really helpful. Pre-grieving was something I learned a lot from the book. This idea that if you have a sense that someone's going to pass, there's actually a whole grieving process that happens before then. And uh, my father was in the hospital for about five weeks. So that was one of the most intense periods of my life. And that pre-grieving, I hadn't really understood. Those, those are some big ones. Yeah, And it's been helpful as well. I think, especially in American culture, we don't talk about death yeah we don't think about it and we like to pretend it doesn't happen but it's the one thing that for certain is going to happen to every single one of us and we're all going to lose someone only love and we'll all pass someday and very much like the stoics I think that the more you think about it the better you are able to handle it yourself and help others when they're going through it I have an app for my phone I think it's what is it? Bhutanese? It's called My croak, or We Croak. We croak. Yeah. I've used We Croak. <laughs> and five times a day it just sends you a notification. It's like, just a reminder, we're all gonna die. <laughs> it gives you a quote. And then it yeah. gives you a quote that you can open the app. That one's been Yeah, I've kept that going. Yeah. <laughs> I also um I think we might have talked about this before, but on my Chrome new tab, I sort of calculated the average number of days I'm probably gonna live. So every time I open a new tab it has a countdown. Now, is that some, that's something you did manually or is that something other people can do reasonably easily? Yeah, I use a tab thing called Momentum, uh, which allows you to customize your new tab screen. And it can do countdowns. And so I think the date was something like 2060, <laughs> 2000, uh, January 11th, I picked my birthday. And then it just counts down. And so that's also really interesting. And I find also a good interrupt to remind me when I'm starting a new tab, which is usually the beginning of distraction or something. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> <laughs> that... Um, that it just says memento mori and the countdown mm. do you find that you begin
0: to tune that out so i've used momentum i like it a lot but do you end up at some point becoming immune to the reminder
1: have you experienced that or not so much is there anything you do to prevent that yeah definitely develop like a selective blindness to it I was actually just thinking today like if I just used every app on my home screen <laughs> regularly yeah. my life would probably be much better <laughs> you know I've got Calm and FitBot and all these sorts of things <laughs> that I put on the, like smart mats thoughtful mats <laughs> smart mats put that on the home thinking screen of your of future Twitter. yeah But I'll still scroll the four screens over to get to Twitter or Instagram or something.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's hard to win that one, outgunned as we are. (laughs) I actually deleted all apps from my phone. Uh, Excuse me, that would not make any sense. That would make my phone very hard to use. (laughs) Deleted all social apps from my phone about a a year and a half ago Mm. and haven't installed, haven't reinstalled Mm. any of them. And it's been liberating in some ways and also frustrating in others to see how addictive these tools are and how I will find workarounds by using <laughs> I mean the browser. Yeah the browser. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> and it, it, it provides a hurdle, right? So it's like the candy isn't within reach like I have to like open a door and walk through to another room metaphorically speaking to get the candy but still (laughs) I end up as you've seen on this trip with the uh, chocolate covered almonds (laughs) it's amazing (laughs) how much chocolate covered almonds (laughs) Tim has consumed So horrifying! So horrifying! But, well, it's
1: a it good reminder we're all human, yeah. even like four-hour body Tim Ferriss.
0: Definitely, even for uh, especially for our body Tim Ferriss. Oh, once he goes off the rails, it's it's very very off the rails. <laughs> oh man! So,
1: anything else that you'd like to add within uh, the context of the last last five years? And you know, one more thing on the on the parents is one thing I wish is that I had more recordings. Of my dad mm. just remembering his voice or. Even some video, though, people are more self-conscious about video. So, I think it's great if there's people you love. Do something like this, have a conversation with them, record it. I think it's uh, something you'll both probably appreciate. Well, you've been part of the, a big part of the impetus for me to
0: set time aside and schedule time to do this with my parents. We had it scheduled and then there were some calendar and travel issues, of course, with COVID and everything else going on, but, that is something that I'm you know, planning on doing in the next few months. And I'm looking forward to it. I think they're at different points. I've had various reservations, but as I think more and more about kids, mm. I think it becomes, it dawns on me more and more clearly how valuable
1: or how treasured that could be at some point to have that. Yeah. And just what our parents or loved ones might remember about our life. It's so different from sometimes what we remember. Yeah. And could be really enlightening sometimes. Yeah. Because memory's so fallible, right? Yeah, super fallible. So it's interesting to see the different perspectives on it and triangulate maybe how we turned out the way we did or things that might have been very influential on us. So, question
0: for you then. Any recommendations for my conversations with my parents? Are there any particular types of questions that you would ask? Hmm. Or angles of inquiry
1: or... Anything at all, no-fly zones, anything that comes to mind you know this is where being offline is going to get us what's the the project? It's like on NPR where they interview people. There's an app for it's StoryCorps StoryCorps story and then c o r p s all right. and I think they even have an app with questions. and part of what they do is try to get an oral history of americans oh. people around the country oh, I, maybe around the world I, I don't know point. anything about this but people can record their own and they oh. have a really great set of questions that kind of walk people through amazing their life history so story I would say core those would be the experts and check it out there might maybe some things that could be a good framework i will and
0: for what it's worth since we're talking about recording we can just mention briefly what i have right here in front of us which is <laughs> the sophisticated, grand podcasting studio of Tim Ferriss Enterprises, which is very, very, very simple, it turns out. (laughs) There have only been a few minor changes since our recording five years ago. And the first recording being number 61 of the podcast, and now we have whatever it is, close to 600 episodes. So we've got the Zoom H6 recorder in front of me, and then we have two... XLR cables, one going to a handheld mic for Matt, another going to a handheld mic in my hand. One of the upgrades that I made is when I do in-person recording, I have two different colored. The default is going to be black cabling. I get colored cables. So for video this would be horrible on the eyes, but Practically, for recording, it's great because it makes it very easy for me to see which levels I need to adjust. Oh, cool. That's why the cables are different colors. So we have yellow and orange. And then I have rechargeable batteries, which are Panasonic rechargeable. BQCC55 is going to probably take you to the to the proper <laughs> make and model. And then we have an iPhone with a Shure... MV88 microphone that, that attaches to the iPhone th- uh, through a lightning port and uh, captures really good audio. So we have that running as backup. And then the handheld mics are also sure. And I usually use SM58 mics. These are slightly better for voice. Hmm. And if I could just see yours for a second, this is the KSM8. And uh, they're very nice. Work really really well and that's it and it, this all fits into small as bag. i can tell you hey well there's a small bag but it all fits into a banya hat i have a russian sauna <laughs> hat that is perfect padding and insulation for the recorder itself and then everything else fits easily 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 into
1: a backpack you could probably fit most of it into a big jacket and you can record anywhere you've now recorded in Antarctica, which is amazing. Yes, it, you know? <laughs> is, it is kind of amazing.
0: And so we've had 200 plus degrees Fahrenheit with Rick Rubin, the incredible music producer, although he does a lot more in his sauna because that was a condition for doing That's the sure interview. hot. It was so hot and uh, hilariously so because we ended up having to take breaks and do ice baths and, and the mics got so hot. That was the one thing we didn't budget for. I was so worried about the recorder being damaged or going non functional, that I didn't pay attention to the simple fact that when you have the mic at body height in the sauna, it's going to get ripping hot. Wow. So, so the equipment was fine on the floor, but the mics got so hot we had to wrap them in towels <laughs> 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 and do it that way. So we've done like plus 200 degrees and with wind chill, probably at. I think they were saying it was negative thirty-five. Negative, last night yeah, this morning. Yeah, negative thirty-five. Maybe even a little bit colder. But negative thirty-five. Maybe a little bit colder at Gould Bay with mm. Sue uh, because we were outside. Oh yeah, we that's have right. a, we have a <laughs> bit of shelter here, but there we had an open-sided tent with wind <laughs> ripping through and a, and a table made of ice instead of this nice fold-out table. <laughs> Why didn't you close the door at the tent? It was a lounge that had been created by the staff. And one was like up over the top. Oh, uh, gotcha, and gotcha. I suppose we could have closed it, but we were all wrapped up and reasonably cozy. I took a picture of you. I'll have to share That's it right. As well. That's right. Yes, yeah, so you have a good photo. Just a quick thanks to one of our sponsors, and we'll be right back to the show. This episode is brought to you by Wealthfront. Did you know if you missed 10 of the best performing days after the 2008 crisis, you would have missed out on 50%, percent five zero percent of your returns? Don't miss out on the best days in the market. Stay invested in a long-term automated investment portfolio. Wealthfront pioneered the automated investing movement, sometimes referred to as robo-advising, and they currently oversee $20 billion of assets for their clients. Wealthfront can help you diversify your portfolio, minimize fees, and lower your taxes. It takes about three minutes to sign up, and then Wealthfront will build you a globally diversified portfolio of ETFs based on your risk appetite and manage it for you at an incredibly low cost. Wealthfront software constantly monitors your portfolio day in and day out so you don't have to. They look for opportunities to rebalance and tax loss harvest to lower the amount of taxes you pay on your investment gains. Their newest service is called Autopilot, and it can monitor any checking account for excess cash to move into savings or an investment account. They've really thought of a ton. They've checked a lot of boxes. Smart investing should not feel like a roller coaster ride. Let the professionals do the work for you. Go to Wealthfront.com slash Tim and open a Wealthfront investment account today and you'll get your first $5,000 managed for free for life. That's Wealthfront.com slash Tim. Wealthfront will automate your investments for the long term and you can get started today at Wealthfront.com slash Tim. Would you mind opening the non pee bottle so I can have some of the water? <laughs> sure. I'm pleased that they have the color coding and I'm going to open this deck. and I've come a long way from Casa Dragonas. <laughs> <laughs> cheers, right. by the way. Yeah, cheers. Let me uh, let me do that with the booze. How much would you give me to drink a swig of that urine right now? <laughs> what, would, what would you trade? I, I like you too much, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do that you. To know, you know, I have actually, I have, I don't know how this came about, but I ended up, this is only for you, my fine listeners. <laughs> no such thing as TMI. <laughs> I remember at some point I don't know what it was. Can't fill Tim without TMI. That was good. That was good. (laughs) So let me take a break from the pee bottle. I'm going to come back to drinking my own urine story. Matt is the master of what is known in Japanese as (laughs) Oyaji Gyagu. Oyaji Gyagu. Oyaji Gyagu. Okay. So Oyaji. Oyaji is like pops. It's like saying dad, but in a really informal way. And then Gyagu is gag. And as it turns out, cross culturally, dads love puns and wordplay. <laughs> so like if a shitty pun comes up, uh, and, and often did in my host family when I was 15 in Japan, then the host brother would be like, Oi, Oyaji, 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 yo." And <laughs> Matt is the master. So yeah, you can't, spell, you can't spell Tim without TMI. That is actually very, very good. That's very, very good. I did take, in that same apartment in San Francisco, I remember at one point, just deciding you know what, I think I should sample my own urine. For what reason, I can't recall. And I did, and you've seen how much water I consume. So it was actually totally fine. It was, it was, it was totally fine. <laughs> it wasn't oversaturated with B vitamins or anything. That will affect the taste, I suspect. Not that I've had many samplings. But... Uh, I will say, I don't make a regular practice of drinking my urine, nor do I recommend (laughs) it. This is not medical advice. It's actually pretty stupid uh, as a story to begin with. But But you did it so others don't have to. I did it so others don't have to. Yeah, it wasn't the most delicious thing I've ever had. All right. So let me me offer you. You want me to choose a card or do you want to choose a card? All right, go for
1: it. All right. So let's see. And you can always refuse. Hey, would you say your recordings in Antarctica have been intense? Intense. Is that another pun?
0: <laughs> oh, intense. Oh my <laughs> god. That was so bad. Sorry. That I was apologize. good. That was That's good. Nice. That was good. You can't bat a thousand. Intense. You know? True fact. As my friend Kelly Starred likes to say. True fact. True fact, Tim Ferris. Uh, here's one. What is one fear you would like to conquer? Hmm.
1: You're gonna answer the same one? I can, or you could choose another one. Yeah, I think that'd be, it'd be fun if we both answer it. Yeah, let's do it. Because maybe we'll inspire a different way of thinking about it in each other. Great. You know, I have a hang-up around body issues Mm. and exercise and stuff. Mm. And it kind of got bigger in like the past six months. And as I'm 37 now. Ooh. Not the old (laughs) man, young age. Old man, Mullenweg. And, um... Yeah, I think that's a fear I like to conquer because it's totally irrational. What is the fear exactly? I don't know how to articulate it, but there's something where I don't know how to articulate it because it's it's a fear, it's not it's not rational, it's not something I can put into words. Well, I around, mean there are, like, there are a lot of fears that are rational, right? So just because it's a fear doesn't automatically make it irrational. I think this is probably an irrational one.
0: Yeah, all right. Um yeah, there's something around like an insecurity. I'm not going to let you go. Yeah. So is it an insecurity around appearance?
1: I think it's something... Hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah, something about... I'm sorry, I don't know how to go deeper. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we can... This is, this is where I should do do some heavy lifting or help <laughs> do some heavy lifting.
1: What would be an example of a time when it shows up for you? The resistance, I feel, around... Sort of exercise that's been growing, I would Mm. say, where it it shows up like a fear in that I can think of so many excuses why, including like I'm going to injure myself again, or I'm going to hurt my knee, or uh, my wrists are bad right now, so I shouldn't be doing this, or like things like that, but which really just add up to be a bunch of excuses. What do you think
0: that is protecting you from? Like, if you did not have, because it seems like, you're a smart guy, Mm -hmm. so there's probably some part of you, not to, like, go too far into, like, IFS Dick Schwartz type stuff, but, like, your subconscious is trying to protect you from something, potentially. Like, what is it protecting you from? What do you think it is? I don't know. I mean, it could be injury, right? It could be performing below your expectations, Perhaps, like if you exercise, that you're not going to meet some standard you've set for yourself in your mind. I have no idea. Mm. So it sounds like it's a hesitancy that you can't fully explain, therefore it's kind of falling into the category of fear for you.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. How about for you? What's a fear you would like to overcome? Man, how much time do we have? (laughs) I I don't, I think that's a bit of an, an, an overstatement, but I, I mean, shit, if we're drinking drinking our single malt and really going for it, I would say the fear that I am just hardwired and also just software coded through DNA to be depressed and unhappy. And that that is a baseline I cannot escape. Like there is the gravitational pull to out of the box settings is so strong. That no matter what I do, no matter how many morning routines I tweak, no matter how much I exercise, no matter how much I program meticulously different areas of my life, the regression to the mean is always going to be to a place of depression or Mm. this is a strong word, but like self-loathing, something that is not quite self-loathing at a 10 out of 10 intensity, but like a discontent and disappointment
1: with myself. That's yeah, that actually one, that locked in something about mine, which is I like, think a fear of being bigger. My bigger, fa- yeah. My family's bigger.
0: Bigger meaning? And I feel oh, like like, I, oh, I like some, obese.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like I have some pre-built settings, the proclivity towards that. Yeah. Hmm. Do you believe that? That's your do well, I believe you overcome that or
0: depends on the day. Depends on whether I've had a good stretch or a bad stretch or an average stretch. I mean even if it is deluding myself i want to believe that it is something i can overcome i don't see how the alternative plays out is terrifying to me if i truly truly believe that 100 of the time the consequences of that are like staggeringly scary so i don't want to believe that but if I were a scientist just looking at the data set, I'd be like, yeah. Like, if we're if we're rating days like negative two, negative one, zero, plus one, plus two, somewhat like Jim Collins does, if people want more on that, you can just listen to the first conversation I had with him. But I would say I probably average out negative one. Mm. Just on an emotional tone, the gestalt of the day being sort of positive energy, negative energy. It? Not in that way.
1: That'd be interesting to do. Not in that way. Some data
0: around it. I should do it also because I do think, and my girlfriend has certainly pointed this out, and I I recognize it as true, that I have a negative selection bias. I think a lot of humans have negative selection bias because you get
1: rewarded by overreacting to threats. What's what's the stat? You feel a dollar you lose seven times more than a dollar you gain or keep? Yeah, I I mean... They've done studies around this. Yeah, like
0: how hard would you work to make $100 versus how hard would you work to avoid having like $100 stolen or taken from you, right? (laughs) Yeah, so that is one of my macro fears. Tied to that would be a fear. I don't know if people can hear that (laughs) because there's no... (laughs) There are no birds. There's no insects. The... Footsteps on the snow are like deafeningly loud. <laughs> the foot traffic is so loud, which makes it even harder to sleep around here. Where was I going? Where was I? A uh, macro fear that's related. Yeah, that is related is that I will never have enough energy. So, huh. and I think some of that ties back to undiagnosed Lyme when I was a kid, which has been verified because I then later had confirmed Lyme. And I grew up on Long Island where it's very, very, very common. And when I was properly diagnosed after very severe symptoms, the second time, which was, I don't know, 2012 or 13 or 14, when they did the ELISA, I think it's the ELISA blot test and other testing, they gave me my results and the first thing they said was, well, you realize that you've had Lyme disease before, right? Wow! Because I was showing, I guess, the long-term antibodies, like the serologic testing. I might, I might not be getting the details right, but suffice to say, I'd already had Lyme, but it had gone undiagnosed, which meant it was untreated for a long, long time. So I don't know how much to attribute to that versus a family history of depression versus other things, but I've always struggled with energy levels. I was like the currency in which I am poorest. Hmm. And it doesn't matter how much time you have, attention, or otherwise. Like If you don't have just the battery to execute, you are... SOL. Shit. Do you out of think luck. people who listen to your podcast would guess that about you? I don't think so because <laughs> <laughs> they're getting 1% of my time. Hmm. Not 1%, but it's like I don't spend all of my time recording conversations. Yeah, yeah. Right. So they get to hear me when I'm having fun, usually. Right. Like I, yeah. I enjoy the podcast. Like it is very n- deeply nourishing to me. And when it starts to feel anything other than that, I change something, right? Like I decrease the frequency. Like I could do it three times, four times, five times a week, but it would start to feel like a burden or a chore, and I don't want that to be the case. So I don't think most people would guess that.
1: You know, you did share with me, I don't know if you're willing to share here, or want to share here, that you um, got a lot of comfort from a revelation Oh, is this the existential piece? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm willing
0: to share. This is a weird one. So this kind of ties into another fear, which is, I don't know if it's a fear. I mean, it's a belief, the consequences of which are really unpleasant. Although I've started to look at it in a slightly different way. And, I, and I'll back into it by saying, like, I think meaninglessness can be terrifying, but in a way it can also be liberating because it frees you to kind of do whatever you choose to pursue and over the last year we've we've been talking about this on this trip (laughs) we agree on a lot of things the one not trivial (laughs) very non-trivial thing (laughs) that i think we have differing opinions on is just like inherent human nature right i have a i don't want to call it dystopian but I tend to think we are closer to chimps than not, right? Like like 1% of more our Hobbsian, DNA. More you know yeah, Exactly, yeah. Nasty,
1: like, brutish, short. Na- nasty, brutish, short, right. Hobbesian is, is the right way to put it. And I'm and, a little more Pinker-esque, you know, better angels of our nature. Yeah, right? exactly. So, in as such, I have been involved in a
0: bunch of things over the last handful of years, including psychedelic therapeutics, especially on the nonprofit research side. I haven't done any for-profit investments myself, and you've been a huge supporter uh, of that world as well, so thanks for that. Thank you. It's a big deal. And then also with different conservation work in the Amazon and North America and so on, and have just run into what I view as this kind of, I know, I know one could argue against it, but like, almost for me, like an irrefutable truth, just based on overwhelming evidence that I've faced over and over again that like humans cannot resist pissing in the pool. Like they can't help themselves. Like they're so competitive and driven by incentives, which of course all animals are. And it has been, uh, for me, I have, I'll make it active, right? Like I have depressed myself and upset myself, so I'll make it transitive here, mm-hmm. right, so that I have some agency to repeatedly run into what I view as like unavoidable self-destructive tendencies, which on smaller scales aren't necessarily self-destructive, but at larger scales with billions and billions of people become just untenable. I was just like, what's the point? I found it very difficult to get up and muster any kind of enthusiasm or motivation to like knock out these email about various just like bullshit items that might be very interesting, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to like invest in some like whatever the fuck app that does something that really isn't making a dent and like, what's the point of all this? Because like ultimately we're all like just careening towards this incineration that I don't see as particularly avoidable. And then I was reading this book, which does punch The 4-Hour Workweek in the balls a little bit, which I found kind of funny, honestly. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it does make a reference to The 4-Hour Workweek in not in a terribly kind way, which is fine, because what do you expect if you title a book The 4-Hour Week? But the book also has a four in the title, but it's called 4,000 Weeks. That refers to the average lifespan of humans. And there's actually a lot of great exploration in this book looking at the frailty and the fallacies of time management and productivity and a kind of to-do list obsession and optimization of different types. And one of the chapters I think is called something like cosmic insignificance therapy, which I think this morning was a great example of, where you actually find it liberating to realize how much it doesn't matter. So you end up finding it kind of inspiring and freeing instead of debilitating and crushing, which is, I find hard to do because I tilt towards the darkness. And so the realization was like, well, okay, look, even if people are just hell-bent on self-destruction and we head that way, at the end of the day, our sun is going to red giant, white dwarf, Kaplui. And then the Earth is gone anyway. All life on Earth is gone at that point, or as certainly as far as I know, all life on Earth. So even if like we kill our own species and all sorts of other species off on this planet, the life per se of Earth is finite, regardless. And I was like, oh, actually, that brings some peace to me, <laughs> Sunshine Tim. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, God, this sounds so depressing, but like this is kind of. The, a lot of the shit that I think about, in part because, and this is supposed to be me asking you questions, we're going to get to another question, but it's like, I don't know if you've experienced it, because like you didn't grow up rich, I didn't grow up rich, and uh, at least for me, in my group of friends and their families growing up, like lower middle class, it was like, if only we had money, our problems would be solved, now, like, here are these problems. If we just had money, it doesn't grow on trees. And like, oh, that rich person, wouldn't that be nice? Everything is smooth as gravy over there, I am sure. And then you pursue, you pursue, you pursue. And you can kind of push your issues to the side in pursuit of becoming quote-unquote successful because the assumption underlying it is, when I have X or Y or Z, whatever that amount is, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be happy, yeah. and then Biggest you like fallacy. then you like run through one of those finish lines, and you're like, "Well, wait a fucking second! Like <laughs> this is a false bill of lading. That didn't work at all." <laughs> and uh, which you know, by the way, when some people ask like, "What would you change or emphasize if you wrote the four hour work week again?" It's the filling the void chapter which is a chapter that people kind of skip over because it's not this like hyper practical tactical nuts and bolts chapter, but it's really important. So yeah, that's my very, very, very long rambling answer to the existential realization, which is like, oh yeah, this planet's got a
1: finite lifespan anyway as far as like organic life goes. So and that's something I always find interesting is sometimes relief from what seems like existential problems. They yeah. come from the most unusual places. Yeah. And so I was surprised that this came for you, that that was a, a yeah. comforting thought. But I do, yeah. I do believe in the cosmic insignificance. You yeah. know, it's very humbling to think like our time span, yeah. even all of human recorded history, is just a speck of dust of the universe's time span. Yeah. And um, one thing I really appreciate about you, Tim, is that you engage with work and thinkers that some people might assume are the opposite of you or advocate for different things but it's all part of your your growth and your journey and like firming up things so I like that you went and read this book and how cool that it provided yeah. this relief for you you know yeah,
0: thanks man it's a solid book and uh, the, the way that I parsed it online was I put it on I guess Twitter, and I said, uh, for people who have read this such and such book, you know, 4,000 Weeks, how much would you recommend it to a friend from one to 10, no seven allowed? Which is something I learned from a person named Kyle Maynard because it forces people to like pick a barely passing or mm-hmm. pretty strong recommendation at eight. And the vast majority of recommendations or the vast majority of answers, and there could be a selection bias, mm-hmm. obviously, right? People read the book in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Came back at like nine, eight, nine, ten. The vast majority, uh, which was certainly enough to convince me to get it on Kindle and read a few chapters, and uh, ended up liking it a lot. I mean. He- in just because I can't I can't resist just a little jab the author does use a lot of like $10 words where a 10 cent word would work (laughs) so I think I'm pretty well educated but I still had to look some words up it's okay
1: he apparently punched a four-hour work week he He did punch back a little bit he did punch (laughs) the four-hour work week in the nuts but that's okay
0: because uh you know get in line (laughs) so how many years has it been
1: since four-hour work week it's published in April of 2007, so 14. 14. Years. It's it's a teenager. It's a teenager. It's going to college. It's starting high school. It's going to college in a few yeah. years. Yeah, it's incredible. Let's try another card. Let's try another card. All right. So you want me to read this one first?
0: God, it's more. No, no. That's a, that's a fears one. Here, I'll let you choose. And uh, let me just. Grab a few cards off the top. And again, for people interested, I don't even know if these are made anymore because I recall them being sold out or discontinued at some point. Holste, H-O-L-S-T-E-E, reflection cards. I got these on Amazon. Dealer's choice. Dealer's choice. And what's the light and dark side mean? Is one a tougher question? Yes, the darker half of the card is intended to be a more
1: difficult question. It's not always the case, but that's what it's intended to be. If a crystal ball could tell you the truth about your life, the world, or anything else, what would you want to know? I think you should answer that first because I just finished a TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> what would I want to know? I'd want to know what is before life and after life. Mm, I had the, the same answer. Really? Yeah, <laughs> I had the same answer. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things I think is very difficult to truly know. In this very life. difficult, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's something humanity has grappled with in a million different ways. For probably as long as we've been conscious. And um, yeah, curious about that.
0: I need more, Matt. You got to do more than just whisper to me about generalities. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait, more about well, what's interesting about the afterlife
0: or the pre life? <laughs> uh, yeah, either, either, both end. I would say, what this? This is obviously a big one, but like, what do you, if you had to speculate, what do you think happens? I mean, if you want to go with pre-birth, we could do that.
1: That's definitely a unusual way to approach it, but. Well, it's one, I think why I thought of that is because I've done meditations before where they say like, feel what it was like before you were born. That's what it'll be like after you're you're done. So like meditation's on death. And so, yeah, in theory, there's something before if there's something after, right? Yeah. I'm going to plug two books here. Plug Um Annika Harris, oh, Consciousness. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, this is uh, after, after, of consciousness. After our conversations on this trip, like that, it's absolutely on my to read list.
1: Great book, and I think it, it kind of gets this question of pre life and after life as well, because where does the consciousness come from? When does it start? Where does it go? How is it suspended when we're suspended? under suspended? What is that? Under oh, like under gear? anesthesia? Yeah, it's such a, it's such an interesting. What turns it on and off? Yeah. What does it even really mean? And this book is a, a fantastic kind of and brief. Um, so very dense, uh, densely packed, or very valuable, I would say. Not longer than it needs to be a book. And then David Eagleman, who... This is some? Yeah. Oh, so good. Have we talked about that? Was it? I Maybe I you recommended it to me? It might have been. I think I did one of your books I recommend thing. Ah, was yes. a book from Connie books as I, well. Books I've loved. Yeah. And uh, 40 Tales of Afterlives. And yeah. each one starts basically at the moment of death. And then it's... Uh, it's kind of something that happens afterwards, and they're hilarious. And it's a great bedtime read. Yeah. So I like to read short them. chapters, like three to two to five pages. Yeah. And it's nice to break it up nightly. And some of them I've even read aloud to friends. When when you're a Burning Man, I did it as a gift. I would read Ugh. one of these short stories to people. Some of my favorites are The Scent of Species, which uh, is really great. And, um, and the opening one, some, is actually pretty fun. Can you give a teaser? So,
0: I think it'd be helpful to give people an example since each of these short chapters is a hypothetical manifestation of the afterlife. So
1: what, what might one be? So the opener, some, and I'll tell a little without giving away the amazing ending, you relive life, but serially. So all the things that you did at different points broken up in your life, you do all at the same time. So you shower for like, 80 hours you (laughs) sleep for 30 years you cut your nails for like you know you're trying to remember a word for like two days (laughs) you're standing in line for you know 14 days and so it kind of goes through this almost laundry list of it yeah and um yeah beautiful ending it is it is a great book it is an exceptional book after plugging these two books
0: what do you think what happens or it doesn't happen
1: Unplug computer, lights out, that's it. I'm looking forward to finding out someday. Not too soon. But um, <laughs> you said you had the same answer, so... Wait, which answer? From oh, uh, the crystal ball. The crystal ball. ball. Yeah. yeah, well, I, I
0: just think it would help.
1: I do think,
0: and maybe I mean, I'd be open to a counter-argument, but I do think it would just help you decide how to spend your time better in this particular iteration, if it's the one and only Thank you. Getting a little booze from a flask. <laughs> classy. We're classy. <laughs> uh,
1: and, I mean, it would answer so many questions, right? I think the interesting thing is, would humans truly be different? What, do you, one, by, what do you mean by that? Would they, how would they act differently if we had a definitive answer? One, a lot of people think they do have a definitive answer. That's kind of the basis of many yeah. religions and things. So, it's not unusual. And, you know, a lot of people you could say that, how would Anthony DeMello put it? They're not truly living. Yeah. Right? They need to wake up. They need to pay attention. Yeah. And that's, even though they might think there's this happening in the afterlife or... Well, if you knew for sure, though, I mean, let's just say it's like, all right,
0: hellfire and brimstone, that's one thing, right? Sins in the whole nine yards. Mm -hmm. Purgatory. Yeah, like the Judeo-Christian model. But then if you had say, karma, and you're like reincarnated as a hamster or a (laughs) porpoise or a (laughs) demigod, depending on your behavior, then that that would would certainly, well, you would think would affect some choices, right? If you knew what happened afterwards, definitively, it would also affect how you viewed things. This is going to get dark, folks, sorry, but like things like suicide, right? Mm -hmm. So the Stoics didn't have a particularly negative view of suicide. But mm. then, once you get into the Judeo-Christian lens, it is most certainly negative, mm. right? And that is one of many different things that would be clarified if you knew. I mean, if you were just simply zeroing out a character
1: like Ready Player One, yeah, that's one thing, right? Yeah, insert coin. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, uh, but would that make people less responsible with the lives they have right now? Define responsible. Reckless, careless, because they thought they could just insert another coin and play again. Well, if they knew they could, then it wouldn't be reckless. Yeah. I think um, that's an interesting area of of thought. And it also reminds me of something I think, which I hope expands a lot in the coming years, is um, ethical, assisted euthanasia. Yeah. People end of life with waiting periods and all these sorts of things. I know Hawaii is a place where you can do it, and a few different countries. Yeah, going back to some seeing people pass away yeah past five years, I understand why some people might choose to do that if they had a terminal illness illness or something. yeah interesting, we had the same answer <laughs>
0: All and right. not altogether completely unsurprising. Oh boy, that's a good one. Can I tell you what I'd like it to be?
1: What you would like your answer to be yeah yeah, the afterlife um,
0: Oh, what, you'd like the afterlife to be, okay
1: tell I me. think it'd be kind of cool if our brains are like antennas to some deeper consciousness. Uh And we reconnected with it. Sort of went back to that non-dual nature of enlightenment. You mean like a drop of the ocean, returning to the ocean type situation? Yeah. I, I find that comforting. Yeah, I do too. All
0: right, here's one. We got one for you. If you knew that in one year you would die suddenly, would you change anything about the way you are living now? Why? I'm going to modify that question. If you knew that in one year you would die suddenly, what would you change about
1: the way you're living now? Why? Mm, Which is nicely related to our previous conversation. It is. What I would change. Well, what I did change after that tail end essay was spending more time with loved ones. If I knew I had one year, gosh, I've got so much left to do. (laughs) (laughs) You know, What's funny is... Let's assume it's perfect health for a year and then just lights up. Yeah, yeah. I think I would... This is kind of a funny answer. I wouldn't have thought of this before, but I'd write more. You'd write more? I did not see that coming. Tell me more. It brings up for me, like, what's the legacy? How do I pass on the things I care about, like Mm. democratizing publishing in the web to the generations that are going to carry the torch there? And how much of what motivates me towards that lifelong mission around open source i don't know if i've i've written about particularly well or articulated well that in a way that might inspire others mm. i mean wordpress is open source has tens of thousands of contributors so like, there are a good number of people involved but i like yeah i feel like for open source to truly win we need millions of contributors we need most of the world working on it because the alternative is proprietary <laughs> bad for humanity things so Yeah, I think I'd write and really try to write something that, or write as much as possible, things to bring more people contributing to open source. Hmm. Tell me more. What else? If anything else? I think that's really, because that's my life mission. It really is. And so if my life was ending, I think, how do I keep that mission going? I'm so envious of you. That That is so clear. I don't think most
0: people could sit here, I can't, and say, X is my life mission. That's pretty fucking amazing. I mean, thank you. <laughs> well, I, I I mean it is. It just it just seems so. I
1: feel very lucky in that liberating I it. to
0: have that defined. That can I want to say constraint, but not in a bad way, right? Like you've kind of defined the target and the bullseye in such a way that makes I would think it makes decision making like your decision fatigue must
1: be less if that's clear. Does really help. Really helps clarify things, you know that and the memento mori. Yeah, I do feel like I have memento mori being meditating on death and yeah. the finite I've nature got, of call life. Call it fourteen thousand days, give or take a couple hundred, left to try to move this, you know, mission forward as much. And as that's possible. to death, right? That's not necessarily firing on all cylinders. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to keep working until I croak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It also, you know, sometimes it's really hard. And there's days and weeks and months where the job, WordPress, automatic everything could be very, very challenging, and it also helps keep it going. But I will say that it probably I think you do have that, actually. Me? Yeah. Oh, please pray tell. please fill me in. <laughs> well, how do you spend your time? Oh my God, This is going to be doing so... things like this. Yeah.
0: yeah and I'm why do, do you do
1: it? Why do you share it? Why don't you keep all this amazing information for yourself? Because it's too,
0: I mean, it sounds so self aggrandizing. I mean, I just, I think that it's, it's too humanizing and valuable to keep private if it's so easy to make public. Like it's nourishing to me, number one. And I know how much conversations like this, I mean, if you and I were sitting here with no mics, bullshitting and drinking, you know, a sing- single malt <laughs> scotch whiskey we'd be having a similar conversation anyway you we've, know what I mean we've had lots of these we've the had the lots of nine these days, yeah. and the reason I started the podcast is because I'd be having these conversations with friends they would end and I'd be like god what a waste like it would be so that conversation was so helpful to me
1: I have to imagine it would be helpful to other people I think that drive to share to learn and share which I've seen the entire 10 plus years I've known you, it is a life mission. I can't imagine you ever stopping that. Yeah, I can't either. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're gonna be in an old person's home and be like, I figured out this new way to like move the wheelchair, like, look what I can do. <laughs> oh, like, God. this is like <laughs> yeah, yeah. just something that, so I think you do have that. And I think you should play with that to maybe our, you know, find what's words resonate for you and describing that around that learning and sharing. Because I do think. Do you think you'll do this the rest of your life? Some form of this, maybe not a podcast,
0: but like. Oh yeah, yeah. Some form of this. I mean, uh, I just uh, when people ask me like, how long do you think you'll do the podcast? I'm like, I can't. It's the first thing I've done this consistently over an extended period of time, and Hmm. I can't think of a compelling reason for why I would stop. Right, which is another reason why even though I've had a bunch of conversations, I haven't seriously considered, I mean, you'll obviously support this, I think, doing anything that would put me in a walled garden. Mm -hmm. Because it's just, it's so kind of antithetical. If I were to sacrifice a large part of my reach or distribution, it just doesn't make sense, right? Like to have shackles on in any form or fashion would like suck the soul out of what I'm doing. Which is not to say there couldn't be interesting collaborations with large platforms or companies, but to make any sacrifice on the creative side or the editorial freedom side or
1: anything like that, it just wouldn't make any sense. So, And you would do it even if you made no money. Yeah. You would pay to do it. You do pay to do it. I do pay <laughs> to do it, yeah. So this is something, something around that, I think, uh be interesting for you to find out. Because yeah. I can't imagine ever growing, stopping learning... And then not sharing it to whoever will listen. (laughs) So you do that. I'll democratize publishing and the web and commerce. And I think that'll be fun.
0: Yeah. One year. One year is really short. It's a short period of time. You know? You think about the last year. Interminably long and also unbelievably short at the same time. Yeah. And I think for me... I don't know if she'd be game for this, but probably having kids with my girlfriend, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like just to at least, I mean, God, it's depressing to think about, but also incredible to think about, like just being there for the birth, like for a few months and then adios amigo, off I go. Um, but to have that experience, I, th- I think that would be core to the next, to the remaining year. Uh, I remember, uh, I don't know if he'd want his name mentioned, but a very famous scientist and I were chatting at one point, And he mentioned having a kid pretty late in life. And his brother, the first thing his brother said to him was, <laughs> congratulations and welcome to the human race. He was <laughs> like, you're just... And, uh, he, you know, we, we chatted about that quite a bit. But it just seems so... On some level, I'm not saying it's required, but like fundamental to a lot of obviously human existence, right, and our programming pointed
1: towards procreation, yeah That's it's like, incredible how strong that drive is,
0: yeah, and it's like you talk to people who like they they have the most incredibly sophisticated rationalizations, and at the end of the day, it's like <laughs> you're just I'm doing what you're programmed to do, and maybe there's a beauty in that, maybe there's a real beauty in kind of just fulfilling that. Like, yeah, you're a cutter ant, you carry fucking leaves around and you build shit and you're Mm. gigantic, you know, ant colony. Like, that's just what (laughs) you do. And I have to imagine, like, it feels good to them to do that or at least it would feel bad
1: for them not to do that. Mm. And It's interesting you bring that up because that's something that changed for me in the past five years. Yeah. Okay. Wow. If we're willing to go there, let's let's go there. After my father passed, I really decided, I went down the path of like, okay, have a kid. Yeah. And I think part of that was just thinking, oh, I wish he had known a grandchildren, a grandchild or something. And part of that process was later deciding that that's not going to be how I leave an impact on the world. Hmm. And so I, I decided to not have kids. Yeah. And made that a very explicit communication and everything like that. Because WordPress and this other work I'm doing, I want to be the thing that I, I leave and i don't feel like there's anything particularly good about my genetics (laughs) that needs to be passed on or that i would be a world unique parent but i do think i'm i'm one of the people in the world that does have a chance to shape the future of the web and uh so i just want to focus all of my energy into that where would you put if you were a betting man which of course
0: you are we're all betting people (laughs) we're all placing bets like everything's probability Except for death and taxes, I guess <laughs> maybe a few other things. Where would
1: you put the likelihood that that changes? I think you had an answer in mind when you asked me that. <laughs> I know this is this is not a leading question. I'm just curious. Yeah. And as a guy, we do have some more optionality. Yep. Uh, around these things, you know, never say never. But that is. That is my working sort of software and firmware right now. (laughs) Okay. So let's say... I'll I'll say 20% chance. 20% chance. 20% chance. Maybe less. Maybe less than... I'd say 8% chance.
0: Oh, wow. That's very precise. I Mm. like that. 8%. So next five years, child being born, 8%. I fucking love that. 8%. That's going to be the, to be the headline of this podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, wow. You want to try another one? Do you want to? Yeah, let's see. Give it a go. Wow. This is actually a question you ask all the time, which is kind of funny. We won't do that one. <laughs> ah, that's funny. What message would you put on a billboard for thousands of people to see every day? I did not get it from this deck, but yes,
0: that is a question that I do ask. Don't drink your piss because I said it on a podcast.
1: That's what I would put on my <laughs> billboard. <laughs> okay, here we go. What are two things Ooh. still on your bucket list? God, you know,
0: part of me we had enough whiskey. I just want to mention all these <laughs> <laughs> like uh, ridiculous sexual fantasies, but we're not going to get there. We, <laughs> we need, we need. Uh, it's just, just you and me and our. A million of my best friends <laughs> listening let's see two on the bucket list i'm not gonna count the kid mm-hmm. because that's we've already discussed it so i'm gonna i'm gonna put that mm-hmm. out of bounds i might need some time to think about that which is actually
1: disturbing to me that i need time to think about it does anything immediately come to mind for you yeah you know what once it comes to mind what's that, that could be a fun trip for us to do actually is the um, aurora borealis So, actually, this comes full circle. You will
0: like this. And I think I've told you this, but, man, I'm sorry that it was, of course, catalyzed by the passing of your father, but you recommend the tail end to me. And I'm with you during this. I mean, not with you, but we're in contact during this entire process. I read the tail end. I go, holy fucking shit. And by the way, everybody, just look up the tail end, Tim Urban, and read it. Do yourself a favor. And so I made a commitment to... Take my family on a trip once a year. Huh. And we haven't done it in the last two years. But the, I think it was the first trip, my mom had always wanted to see the Aurora Borealis. Ah. I took my whole family to Iceland and went to the middle of nowhere in the middle of winter. It's dark all the time. So it's the opposite of what we're experiencing right now. And we had the best luck ever. And we just saw the most incredible displays of the Aurora Borealis. And I have to say, much like what we experienced this morning, you cannot currently capture it at all on video or camera. It just, it doesn't bear any
1: resemblance to the, feeling and the experience of doing it in person so i would definitely do that again i was actually looking for it this morning because while the totality is happening you can actually see stars yeah uh when the sun's totally covered by the moon and um there's a different word for the southern borealis i think or southern aurora but um yeah there's a chance we could have seen it
0: wonder what that's called the aurora borealis the austral
1: Borealis. I'm making up words now. This is—we don't have the internet. <laughs> yeah, we don't have the internet. We're hobbled. Does so that be one thing on the bucket list? Did that reminds you of anything on your bucket list? There's so many things I would like to do. I would really like to, for instance, this
0: isn't a discreet item on a bucket list, but get back into scuba diving. Like, oh, yeah, scuba diving is one of my great loves. I haven't done it in so long, and it is really, truly. If you get to the point where, where you're reasonably comfortable and you can do wall dives and really kind of hover using your buoyancy... What's a wall dive? Uh, or like a cliff dive. So you, you where, where you... Let's say you're swimming over coral that's... I'm just making this up. 30 feet below the surface. Colors are still really vibrant at that depth. And then there's just a cliff. And you drop off of this cliff. And you mm-hmm. just go down this wall. So you're looking at let's just call it a coral reef, but it's vertical instead of horizontal. And you look down and it's just into the abyss. And so you swim along a wall and you can drop down, go up and down looking at everything there is to see. And I often use scuba diving, and it doesn't work for everyone, of course, but as a metaphor for psychedelic experiences because in the beginning, like the first time you dive, the first one, two, or three times you dive. You're just getting used to the equipment. You don't know necessarily reflexively how to grab your like, octopus or if you lose your respirator, how to deal with that. You're constantly checking your gauge. You're screwing with your BCD. I think it's BCD, buoyancy control device. Yeah, BCD, where you're in- over-inflating your vest and then letting yeah. the air out. So you really don't have much control, and you're discombobulated, but you, you might only notice a really large fish or a turtle or a shark, or seeing your peripheral vision, a school of fish, but you're, you're really not seeing very much. And then as you get more comfortable, you see more and more, you notice more and more, and then you get to a point where, let's just say on a wall dive, it doesn't have to be a wall dive, but where you can control your buoyancy, you're just less at risk of smashing stuff with your feet, obviously, yeah. because you're looking down and it might be hundreds or thousands of feet. And you can just hover and look at like a square meter, right? Like three by three feet, And it is an entire universe of life and activity. And you could spend an hour just looking at that tiny patch. That wonder, this is something I thought about this morning. I was like, I think it's really hard to go wrong if you chase, chase might be too strong a word, but like pursue wonder and awe, you can probably overdo it and dull your senses and your appreciation of that. But I think there's a wonder deficiency in most
1: lives. Not that you should have it three times a week. What's the line about a, a universe and a grain of sand or something? Yeah. And so I think part of that is what is there to wonder that's all around us all the time. Yeah. In your backyard, on a tree, on like yeah. It's one of those things that we sometimes get reminded of. Yeah. And I always it always feels like the most obvious trait thing, but also the most profound and meaningful. And the
0: the scuba diving for me reinvigorates my powers of fixed attention. Like my attention to detail. So when I and I haven't gone scuba diving in quite a long time, but when you're underwater and you're really noticing all the details, If you try to maintain that as you come out of the water,
1: you still notice more. There's a transfer. I just love that floating. So for me, the buoyancy. I actually got certified with another one of your guests, Adam Gazzali. Oh, really? And um, Adam, that point when if you breathe in, you neuroscience six pack PhD. (laughs) You disgust (laughs) me, Adam. New father. I know. Um, Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful fellow. I'm just
0: jealous. Of his P-bar workouts. (laughs) And uh, incredible, you know, really engaged dad, too. It's been so fun to see how much he's gotten out of that and given, obviously. But it's, anyway, not to interrupt. So you got certified with Adam. Yeah.
1: When you breathe in and you float up a little bit and you breathe out and you go down a little bit, when you can kind of control your buoyancy with like the air in your lungs, that's so meditative. Yeah. And I've actually like gone to that space sometimes while meditating or sometimes in dreams. And I really, really appreciate it. But it also reminds me, like, I wish we had, like, an Elon Musk of the ocean. Like, some, like, crazy, awesome billionaire who was, like, exploring the ocean as much as Bezos and Musk are going to space. Yeah, you know who's, I mean, the first name that comes to mind, controversial guy,
0: but he's really good at getting shit done, is James Cameron. I was going to say, but that's,
1: that's all we got. That's, that's what we... That's, we need two billionaires fighting yeah, <laughs> and competing. <yeah. laughs> and then that will, uh, will finally map the oceans and understand yeah, things. Yeah, I wonder who else is out there. There's got to be somebody else out there. Well, we'll do, we'll do some recon and put it in the show notes. Hopefully one of your listeners can... Two of your listeners can start competing for <laughs> conquering the ocean. I know there are a few of you billionaires out there listening
0: to this right now. So please take a look at our oceans. I would like to spend more time with... Especially after doing work with the Amazon conservation team, which you've also contributed to, co-founded by Mark Plotkin, famous ethnobotanist, one of the protégés of Richard Evan Schulte's out of Harvard. I would like to spend some more time, because I have spent some, but I would like to spend much more time with some of the indigenous groups in this case in South America, it wouldn't have to be in South America, but because I have access before those ways die out. And I think it's somewhat, and again, this is maybe where you and I differ, but I think it's kind of inevitable. Like I I do think the march of so-called progress and the introduction of Western goods and consumerism and so on, you know, once you have sat phones and Wi-Fi and big screen TVs and so on, there's a tremendous amount of erosion that takes place, and I'm not implying or saying that I idolize the old ways. i mean there's there's a lot of writing around the you know it's like the so-called noble savage, and like, oh, if we could all just revert to like living in communities of of fifty with the bare essentials, like everything would be wonderful. and I don't agree with that. I don't think that's true, but there is a lot of medical knowledge and also knowledge of how to treat the whole person instead of just suppress symptoms especially not not despite but especially including what we would consider placebo effect it's like harnessing the power of ritual and myth the power and, of the mind and really, narrative and belief exactly to basically co-opt the power of the patient to help them heal themselves Is dramatically underexplored by Western scientists in those communities. Not to say that would be my job, because I'm not a Western scientist. I'm not a scientist. But certainly on my bucket list would be spending time with with some of those groups. Because I do do think, and this gets into some pretty strange territory, but there are other ways of
1: knowing. Tell me more. Well... (laughs) You're going to give me a hard time. I'm going to turn it around. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to let you get away with that. Yeah, yeah.
0: There are, I do think there are other ways of knowing outside of things that are easy to put into a cube of a laboratory and test with, you know, placebo-controlled randomized trials. And it's, I think it's easy to become dogmatic with, scientism with like a capital S in the same way that it is easy to become dogmatic with religion without truly having even a basic literacy or understanding of what we're talking about when one discusses science, which is a scientific method, a structured way of testing a hypothesis. That's all it is. It's a journey, not an endpoint. Yeah, exactly. So, so for instance, I mean, the scientific method it, it itself is not good at generating hypotheses. It's good at testing hypotheses. And it's a framework for doing our best not to fool ourselves, in a sense. But there are, then, observable phenomena. I'm just fingering this pile of ginger chews here. <laughs> I, might, I might have a ginger chew. This is going <laughs> to be terrible for audio. So don't take this as an indication of uh, podcasting professionalism. But I am going to have a ginger chew because I love ginger. Uh, <laughs> I'll have this after I ask my next question instead of while I'm talking. But there is a book, I think it is actually called Another Way of Knowing, that just discusses, it's a discussion, it's basically an anthropological exploration of a handful of tribes, I believe in Malaysia, so certainly not in South America in this instance, and uh, phenomena that were repeatedly observed that seem to be very odd. For instance, when this particular anthropologist would head towards this village to visit, and he would be going by boat and then trail and so on and so forth, that there would always be someone waiting at a trailhead to meet him as if they were expecting him, but they had no prior notification that he was on his way. So. What's happening here, right? Is it repeated coincidence? Sure, it could be, right? And like the self-avowed hyper-rationalists would be like, well, come on now, right? And then, and uh, that would be the default. But I think it's perhaps helpful to ask, like, what might other possibilities be, right? Like, let's generate a bunch of different hypotheses before we edit. Like, what are a bunch of other, I don't even want to say plausible, they could be outrageous, but like, what are some other hypotheses, theories for how this might happen. And in these tight-knit groups, let's just call them tribes for simplicity, you see a lot of these behaviors that mimic some phenomena you see in the natural world with other species. So if you read, say, Of Wolves and Men by Barry Lopez, he talks about wolves being tracked like by scientists that head off in a specific direction, traveling in a straight line, and they intersect with a herd of caribou that started like 300 miles away. And they perfectly intersect at a given point where they're known to hunt. And it's like, okay. That's cool. What's happening? (laughs) Like, is it coincidence? Maybe. Sure, you can't rule that out. It could be. And, you know, I I think about as I say this, I have some trepidation in saying it because there are people listening who'll be like, oh my God, that's so ridiculous. Or they might even say that's so unscientific. Mm-hmm. And what they mean by that is I can't provide definitive proof or some like, framework that provides perfect explanatory power. But as I was thinking about this morning, if you have, say, an eclipse, I was just thinking about thousands of years before this morning, eclipses were still happening. Humanoids have been around for a long time, right? If the crossing of the Bering Strait supposedly was whatever it was, 20, 30, 40,000 years ago, I don't really know. know. Humanoids, even just in North and South American continents, have been around for a long time, and prior to that, even longer. So they've been looking up and seeing these things. How would they have explained them thousands and thousands of years ago? Certainly not the way that we explain them today. Nonetheless, the eclipses were happening.
1: Mm-hmm. It was kind of cool. We saw a little presentation from one of the people here on different cultures. And, you know, I think in China, it was a dragon eating the sun. In Vietnam, it was a frog. There was, like, different sort of yeah. myths, and, and, like, every culture had a version of it, yeah. which was pretty cool. And I'll give another example. Uh, during. But how's that connected? To...
0: <laughs> no, I'm going to connect it. So, okay. so what, what I mean is, I think you can observe and record phenomena and even in the absence of perfect explanatory power, some theory that holds up to modern scrutiny, just the fact that someone can't explain how something works doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That's what I'm trying to say. So for instance, while we were in lockdown during COVID, there was this video that went kind of viral of a coyote and a badger going out on a, on a hunt together. And like the coyote would like trail out in front, because wasn't trailing, it was leading in front, and then like stop and like wag its tail and looked like a dog playing with another dog, and then pulled the badger along. And that, from a naturalist or field bio, biological perspective, at least according to some people, shouldn't happen, right? Like that that was always a myth. And in some of the, the native, northern Native American traditions, they talked about, the coyote and badger hunting together is talked about. Right? Huh. But it was considered a myth. And then, boom, now you have some video footage, and it's like, ah, look at that. Okay. So I do think that just because cultures have superstitions and beliefs that are not founded on hard evidence, and let's not fool ourselves, we, we still have a lot of that. Even the most technologically advanced among us have plenty of those. that somehow a phenomenon can't exist. Hmm right if if you don't have perfect explanatory power that's just kind of ridiculous like if you study the history of scientific discovery you observe a lot of things far before you can
1: radio waves them. germs yeah radio waves germs There's i mean so like so many invisible things happening all around us all the time
0: yeah and we look back like 20 years from whatever point in time or let's say 50 years just to make it a little easier 50 years before whatever point in time the discussion is taking place is like the dark ages, right? Like, oh my God, I can't believe we didn't know this. Oh my God, look how ridiculous that is in hindsight. Sort of neglecting all the while the fact that, of course, if we were to be looking back
1: at today, 50 years from now, as some doctors say, like half of what we know is wrong, we just don't know which half. Yeah. That's why I think it's so important to make space for people to update their views. I think it's so silly when we like get mad at someone Something I said 30 years ago. It's like, yeah.
0: You're waffling. <laughs> well, no, like when I get new information, I change my mind. What do you do?
1: Yeah. yeah. And that'll be, I'm sure this thing's on your early podcast. Maybe our last podcast that I no longer agree with, that yep. one of us said. And that's beautiful. Like uh, in programming, we talk about like, if you're not embarrassed by your old code, you're not learning. Mm. <laughs> you should feel bad when you look at your I old like code. That. If I you like- think it's better than you can do now or great, that means you haven't grown as yeah. a developer. So. I think it's really important to to always be evolving in that mm. way. But what you brought up does make me think about how much communication is happening all around us, all the time. Yeah, that we don't understand. Yeah, whether totally. that's bird calls or what we heard with the penguins, yeah. how they're able to connect with each other and identify each other. I just saw the documentary Fantastic Fungi. Yeah, yeah, great Paul film. Stamets, yeah, super um, fun. Yeah, Louis the, Schwartzberg. Yeah, and the the mycelium networks. Like, there's so much communication that's happening all around us. And that's another thing that I think is so interesting to explore. Yeah. How are we ever going to understand aliens if we can't understand dogs? Although I heard <laughs> there's a startup around this that's trying to do like machine learning around dog barks. Oh God, machine learning.
0: Machine, is it machine learning or deep learning? Yeah, There are all these terms. You slap it on. When I was
1: AI, you can raise more money. Yeah, AI. Although, I, you know, hey, if someone can help me I'll send my second better, bucket list and better, then we'll do it. want to do another question? Better communicate with Molly. I'm into it. So
0: what else would be on my bucket list? I want, you know, it's, it's such a simple thing. I want to get another dog. Oh. Yeah to, yeah, to accompany Molly and also to have some overlap so that I, I think if Molly passes away, it'll be very hard for me to get another dog. Would you clone Molly? No. You want to share anything about cloning?
1: I, I might know something about cloning. you you can clone cats dogs and horses now in america
0: <laughs> well let's let's get more specific
1: <laughs> i think the company's called via uh-huh. and uh and yeah you can pay and they will cl- they take a skin sample from the living animal and uh they make an embryo from it and embed it in a surrogate and do you know anything about this no comment <laughs> <laughs> no
0: comment alright well I'll let the audience draw from that what they may uh, I would not clone Molly I think the Uncanny Valley I I, I don't think I would do that I, for myself no I wouldn't try to do like Molly 2.0 I think I'd feel very ethically conflicted about that it's like emotionally conflicted too so I don't think I would do that but I would get a like Mini-me to play with Molly, who Mm. then carries on the torch. I
1: would definitely do that. Yeah, It was that I was party to this, but the person who who wanted to do the cloning, I was very, very surprised. You were surprised? I was incredibly surprised uh, that this person wanted to do it. Why were you surprised? Religious backgrounds. She's Catholic. Are Catholics against cloning? You know... I don't know for sure, but it seems (laughs) like it should be on that list. (laughs) I don't know. Um, I guess if it's skin, it's okay, huh? (laughs) Yeah. And um, I was surprised, but it's been... I I now have met this clone, uh, the first of the clones. It's like a congressional hearing. I love your wording. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I've met said clone, (laughs) Mr. Sender. A beautiful thing about it is that the previous dog, who's passed... Had had some was a rescue and had had like a difficult early life, and so even though I knew this dog for you know fifteen years, she would always be pretty skittish with me or, or any men in the room, which is just so heartbreaking to think like what happened to her when yep. she was younger, and this new dog with the same genetic material, the genetic twin, is so excited to see me. <laughs> it's like a six sigma yeah. excitement event uh, when I when I return uh, when I walk through the door, and it's uh, kind of amazing. So yeah. But, but completely different. So I would say that it's not, a, it's just like a twin, a genetic twin. Coloring will be different. Personality is totally different. I think it really shows you nature versus nurture as well. Mm. Oh, that's for sure. Which I think for dogs can be huge. Although you know way more about dogs than I do. Well, I've
0: spent so much time training Molly. And another reason I would like to have another dog is that she'll help train the other dog. Mm. Yeah, they'll pass on good and bad behavior, right? Yeah. And she doesn't have too many bad behaviors. She has a few, <laughs> but not too many. And... um for people who want to look at the communication side, you can Google. I think there's a Radiolab episode on the the Wood Wide Web, as they call it, <laughs> which talks about inter. I think it's inter. I always mix up inter
1: and intra, but inter tree communication. Oh, yeah. And, and trees will privilege ones that are they're closely related to their progeny. Share, yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. And as they're going to die, they'll basically like drop their resources into the root system and distribute to direct descendants. And Pretty cool it's so wild. And the reciprocal relationship with the fungal networks is just just incredible. So you can look at that. Let's not forget also, it wasn't that long ago, I don't know the exact dates, but I think it's within the last hundred years that doctors or surgeons would operate on infants without anesthesia. Wow. It's not that long ago. I might be getting it slightly off, but our assumptions about consciousness and communication and perception have been so consistently off
1: that I think it's fair to assume that we're still pretty off. A lot to learn. Yeah. I think my second bucket, I mean, honestly, this trip has been a bucket list, Adam. The emperor penguins, we were going to hopefully see the totality over them, but it was too cloudy, so that's why we came to this Union Glacier camp, seeing the totality And so I'll I'll put a travel thing as the second one, which is I'd love to go to Egypt with my sister. Why Egypt? She wants to go, and I think it would be pretty incredible. So, here's a bucket list for me: is taking
0: a bunch of my closest friends to Japan. That's a huge snow cap in the background. Is it showing up on the levels? It's showing up on the levels. So that it would be the the Tucker Five, which the staff used to refer to because it was the largest tucker snowcap that had ever been custom built and they would refer to it as the on radio they would refer to it as the mother tucker but then that got (laughs) that was not pc apparently so it got vetoed at some point now it's the tucker five how boring
1: i prefer the mother (laughs) tucker that might be part of this podcast episode title as well (laughs) uh which is funny because you always make fun of me for not cursing i do i do yeah matt does not curse why don't you curse don't give me that I have so many vices I needed to get rid of one. It's nonsense. <laughs> you always use that. You know, we don't have the internet, so I can't remember. but I think the English language has more words than any other language. It has a lot of words. And I just love finding that really great word to match things. Except for curse words. Except for curse words. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> and is it's that, funny. Is that a religious thing? I actually, I had a, um, one of the first WordPress blogs actually was a, a private, blog myself and four friends had at a high school. And I was looking back at an entry from like 99 or something and it had a curse word in it. From you? From me. Ooh, what and curse I, word? I don't remember which one. Oh, it's poor, nor, nor could it's I say it horse if shit. I did. Horseshit. <laughs> 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 but I was so shocked because I was so, I don't, so hoping I would get you there. I, I think I've forgotten when I stopped, but I think it was influenced by reading someone or something around um, just expressness of the English language finding the right word for things. And other ways, I, I don't exclaim much. You don't have a very ejaculatory
0: style <laughs> to your speaking? <laughs> what yeah. do you mean you don't exclaim much? What does that even mean?
1: Um, gosh darn it. Or, you know. Ooh,
0: like, ooh, those fighting words.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't exclaim much. We have someone an, an else ex- on the trip who exclaims a lot, not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like an exclamation <laughs> would be like, if I stub my toe, or something like i'm not gonna so what do you say when you stub your toe you just bite your you just grin, like bite your tongue and i probably just make a noise like a yelp
0: Uh, (laughs) so so if someone like cuts you off in traffic i guess
1: i mean you may be so zen that you just don't get annoyed but if you get annoyed do you say anything i like to tell myself that they are doing something urgent Mm. or have something in their life that like you know, they they really need to get that spot. When does when does
0: Matt get upset? What are some Matt triggers?
1: Ah, Matt Just triggers.
0: Besides people
1: spelling WordPress with lyric as P. You know where I'm not zen at all is I get upset on behalf of others. Oh yeah, I've seen this. You've seen it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm more likely to be probably to like a, a fault, like overly protective sometimes, or sure. a person themselves might not be mad, but I'll like get mad on their yeah. behalf. Injustice, yeah, really bugs me. So what's your response then? Uh, so most people are like, "God fucking damn it!" They,
0: most people would curse to let some steam out. What do you do?
1: I'll
0: get even. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this soft-spoken <laughs> weapon of incredible menace. You got to be careful with the Mullenweg or the mollenberg, as one of the staff here referred to him as when we did our drone <laughs> test that. earlier. Would you? It's, do, it's better would, than mullet wig. <laughs> Which I used to get in school. Ah, 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 ah. You're welcome. Mullet wag. Or Adam Gazali calls you mully legs.
1: Mully legs, yeah. <laughs> it's another good one. Sometimes I get mullen web, which I actually kind of like. Oh, I'm that's like, oh, good. Get yeah, some mullen. web in there. Mullen web. I like that. Okay, we'll come back
0: to the get-even part another time. Uh, <laughs> let's see. This is just the one that I pulled out say we do maybe one more because my bladder's about to explode but my fucking pee bottle is full (laughs) so i got nowhere to put it (laughs) well i guess i can try to pee into the uh scotch whiskey bottle that we've now (laughs) sorry glenn marangi i know my god that's like the worst yank pronunciation of that ever (laughs) but if i have to pee into your bottle i apologize in advance uh do intentions matter more or less than
1: actions hmm yeah what's the um legal word for this means ray or something Oh, I don't know. Yes, I think they do. Intentions matter more. Ooh, all right. Tell me more, Matt Mullenweb. <laughs> do intentions matter more? What I like about intentions is the intentionality. It's a choosing. It's the deliberateness of a decision okay. to do something. And I think that's super important for us to do. Maybe that sounded a little abstract. What you choose to do... Yeah. I think is more important than what necessarily happens along the way. Which you have less control over. You have complete control over your choice. So I'm going to say intentions matter more than actions. Hmm. But I'm defining actions in a certain way. How are you defining actions? Things that happen.
0: (laughs) What the fuck are we talking about? (laughs) 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 Okay. Actions are things that happen.
1: Yeah. So, for example... You intend mm-hmm. to give me a present, but your action on the way is you stumble and on my step on my foot. Okay, <laughs> and your intention to me matters more than the fact you stepped on my foot and broke a toe. So let's say there's a uh, someone who decides I want to
0: give back and do the right thing, but they have no money, no resources, no network, no leverage, and then there's so they have this pure intention, but they don't end up being effective in impact let's just say and I, I know that's kind of a broad broad statement and then there's some person who just cold-blooded capitalist killer who like takes no prisoners racks up incredible wealth and then says I'm going to give to a bunch of charities because that's the right social move Get into all these boards create really good optics have a conversation at these dinner parties Blah, 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 blah. So it's, it's not coming from virtuous intention per se, but has an outsized impact
1: just because of the sheer resources behind it. I'll take it. You just take this, <laughs> you'll take it. You'll take the second one. I think doing the right thing for the wrong reason is still the right thing, which I guess takes us more to actions than intention. Yeah. What's your answer to that one? I think actions count more yeah so it's the right thing for the wrong reason would still be the right thing, and that matters yeah. more yeah yeah for me, which isn't to say I would like people
0: to do the right thing for the wrong reason, but you know, I was chatting with uh I can't remember who it was I was chatting with, but they were saying might have been when i got I got a tour of Bethlehem from an Arab Christian, which mm-hmm. is definitely a minority, and I don't know if if it was him, it might have been someone else who was saying, you know jews and and muslims should really get along on some level because they care more about actions than they do what's in your heart what you believe whereas christians care about like what you believe like you can do all these atrocious things but then truly believe and repent and be saved and i thought about how much all of that has likely shaped cultures and empires and civilizations right just that different lens on things. If it's like we don't care what you believe, it's all about what you do. Like follow these rituals, do these things, don't eat this thing on this date. A B C D E versus like the belief slash maybe intention is what matters. Even if you fuck up and make these terrible mistakes, that's okay. Of course, I'm going to offend like pretty much everybody on the planet by <laughs> what I just said. But, um, <laughs> I think I, you I, missed a few. I, 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 I am yeah, dramatically oversimplifying <laughs> and sorry if, if, uh, if I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But I do think this question, though, that I threw out yeah. from this deck of
1: cards is an interesting one. Right? Intention versus action. I'm glad that we disagreed on it, too. Yeah. I find the points where we disagree yeah. to be interesting things to mine. All right. Last question, because my bladder
0: is about to explode. And the uh the neck of this uh Scotch whiskey bottle is way too narrow <laughs> for any attempt at reasonable accuracy. <laughs> it's not Tim is sharing again. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, it's not it's not a claim to any like you know coke can like girth who are we kidding we're in antarctica but in any case, <laughs> uh, you wanna, somebody with us was like let's say let's all take a naked shot together and we're like no no no
1: not the most flattering shot we could do right now what are you grateful for right now Hmm. give you an easy answer and a harder answer i mean i'm so grateful for the time we spent together yeah so thank you for me that. too me too The bigger and hard answer, I would say, is I'm so astounded at um, the creation and rollout of the vaccines. Mm. And like, it gives me hope for maybe humanity solving other big problems, if we can all kind of focus on the same thing at the same time. And uh, yeah, so everyone who worked on COVID, I'm really grateful for. Mm.
0: I'm also really grateful for the time that we've been able to spend
1: on this trip it's been a while since we've done one of these and uh, we've been disconnected which has been yeah you know, twitchy for me i, I tried oh. to download and scroll half the internet before <laughs> through, we went offline through wikipedia <laughs> let me just read about us postal
0: service <laughs> let me read this uh i am grateful for this trip It's been a great trip. I've had a lot of people ask me why I came to Antarctica. Like, why am I interested in Antarctica? And I am interested in Antarctica, but the main reason is just to spend time with you. We've had so many great trips before. And and now this one, adding it to the list. So super grateful for that. Super grateful for my girlfriend, honestly. She's uh, incredible, puts up with a lot of nonsense. (laughs) Hmm. I don't think I'm the hardest person to be with but I I certainly don't think I'm the easiest person to do (laughs) and uh, she's just she's just been such a wonderful compliment and I think we are so different yet our values are so similar
1: that it allows us to really stretch in ways that it's a a, good thing to look for in a partner I would say is like where you are different in many ways but then exactly the same on a few key values goals Fighting style, communication. Yes, she is the cleanest fighter,
0: I would say. The cleanest fighter I've ever been with, probably. Good influence on you, too. I would say that. Yeah, I would say so. You know, hopefully she would say the same about me. I think so. And so I'm very, very grateful for that. And I'm grateful for having the bladder capacity of a camel. (laughs) Uh, so I don't even know what time it is God what time is it it's probably like 10 or 11 or God knows it is now yeah
1: almost 11 so probably a good time for the camp it is 11pm and it is bright as high noon as we speak hey also thank you you know we both shared a lot of personal stuff on this one yeah we did so thanks for that vulnerability yeah thank you too man
0: yeah really great to do this and uh, let's not wait another five years alrighty (laughs) All right, man. Love you, bud. And uh, to everybody who is listening, you can find links to anything we've talked about, books and so on. I don't know what else. <laughs> we'll find a bunch of random links and put them in the show notes for you to peruse <laughs> at tim.blog. Thanks for that also. No problem. Recommendation from Mr. Mullenweb. Tim.blog slash podcast. And until next time, be just ever so slightly kinder than you think necessary and that includes to yourself and thanks for tuning in hey guys this is tim again just one more thing before you take off and that is five bullet friday would you enjoy getting a short email from me every friday that provides a little fun before the weekend Between one and a half and two million people subscribe to my free newsletter, my super short newsletter called Five Bullet Friday. Easy to sign up, easy to cancel. It is basically a half page that I send out Every Friday to share the coolest things I've found or discovered or have started exploring over that week. It's kind of like my diary of cool things. It often includes articles I'm reading, books I'm reading, albums perhaps, gadgets, gizmos, all sorts of tech tricks and so on that get sent to me by my friends, including a lot of podcast guests. And these strange esoteric things end up in my field, and then I test them, and then I share them with you. So if that sounds fun, again, it's very short, a little tight. Time- tiny bite of goodness before you head off for the weekend. Something to think about. If you'd like to try it out, just go to tim.blog Friday. Type that into your browser, tim.blog Friday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Tonal. Imagine having an entire gym's worth of equipment in a device smaller than a flat screen TV. Something that could fit potentially even in a closet. Fits in my closet. By eliminating traditional weights, Tonal can deliver 200 pounds of resistance with a sleek design that can fit nearly anywhere. It's like having an entire gym and personal trainer right in your home. Tonal's patented digital weight system senses your strength, and adjusts the weight automatically in real time So you can get the most out of every workout. I have a number of friends, including competitive athletes, who have doubled their strength in short order in a lot of exercises. And part of the reason that's possible is it uses a revolutionary system of dynamic resistance powered by electric motors for strength you can feel. You can also do things like eccentrics. Over time, Tonal learns from your body and automatically increases the weight exactly when you can handle it. Tonal also uses 17 sensors to provide real-time feedback on your form and technique, allowing you to get the most effective workout every time. It's a strength training machine with adjustable arms that provides more than 170 exercises for a full-body workout, and that can include squats, deadlifts, bench presses, overhead pulls, bicep curls, and more. So check it out. Try Tonal, the smartest home gym for 30 days in your home. Tonal is so confident that you'll love it, they offer a full money-back guarantee. You can now get Tonal from $63 per month at 0% interest over 48 months. Visit www.tonal.com www.tonal, and for a limited time, get $100 off when you use promo code TIM100 at checkout. That's www.tonal.com, promo code Tim 100. Tim 100. Tonal. Be your strongest. This episode is brought to you by Eight Sleep. My God, am I in love with Eight Sleep. Good sleep is the ultimate game changer. More than 30% of Americans struggle with sleep, and I'm a member of that sad group. Temperature is one of the main causes of poor sleep, and heat has always been my nemesis. I've suffered for decades, tossing and turning, throwing blankets off, putting them back on, and repeating ad nauseum, but now I am falling asleep in record time, faster than ever, why? Because I'm using a simple device called the Pod Pro Cover by Eight Sleep. It's the easiest and fastest way to sleep at the perfect temperature. It pairs dynamic cooling and heating with biometric tracking to offer the most advanced but most user-friendly solution on the market. I polled all of you guys on social media about the best tools for sleep, enhancing sleep, and Eight Sleep was by far and away the crowd favorite. I mean, people were just raving fans of this. So I used it, and here we are. Add the pod pro cover to your current mattress and start sleeping as cool as 55 degrees Fahrenheit or as hot as 110 degrees Fahrenheit. It also splits your bed in half so your partner can choose a totally different temperature. My girlfriend runs hot all the time. She doesn't need cooling. She loves the heat. And we can have our own bespoke temperatures on either side, which is exactly what we're doing. Now for me, and for many people, the result. Eight Sleep users fall asleep up to 32% faster, reduce sleep interruptions by up to 40% and get more restful sleep overall. I can personally attest to this cuz I track it in all sorts of ways. It's the total solution for enhanced recovery so you can take on the next day feeling refreshed. And now, my dear listeners, that's you guys, you can get $250 off of the Pod Pro cover. That's a lot. Simply go to 8sleep.com/tim or use code TIM. That's 8 all spelled out. E I G H T sleep.com slash Tim or use coupon code TIM T I M eight sleep.com slash Tim for two hundred and fifty dollars off your Pod Pro cover.